The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now, leave a message. They'll return your call, 905-529-7165. And check out their website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon, all one word, dot com. You can ask a question there via the listener inquiry button, as well as listen to old archive shows. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you all in your little square. Good morning, guys. Good morning, Scott. Good morning, Don. So I guess good news. Things People are feeling a bit more positive, it seems, this week, as opposed to uh, January, February, March, April, where uh, it was pretty much the darkest hour of this uh, global pandemic, in Canada anyway, due to uh, vaccine supply and such. But you're really starting to feel the optimism as more and more people are uh, are getting vaccinated, and, and you really get the feeling that business and things are going to slowly start to open up a bit here. Are you getting the positive feeling? Absolutely. It's a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. you got to like Canadians. that We're a pretty obedient bunch. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're all lining up there to get our shot. There's uh, less questions asked, say, than south of the border, and we just can't wait to open up. So, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's great to see, and uh, summer's coming. So, yeah, it's all good. I know you're going to talk about the... June already. I know. Where does it go, right? I know you want to talk uh, a little later on about the, uh, the stress test that uh, came out last week. But uh, first, you want, to, uh, you want to get things started with the IG Living Plan. What is that? Well, the IG Living Plan, is, 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 Scott, is sort of the, the core of what Dawn and I do. And it is, um, it's really a, it's the overall financial plan that you have, and we call it our IG uh, Living Plan. And when you think about today working with a, a CFP, and I'm saying that specifically, a, a CFP, a, a Certified Financial Planner, and it was in, I think there's been some commercials on TV, actually, I've seen recently advertising CFP, which I think is positive. It's all part of the education process, but the tagline is sort of CFP standing for Confidence Forever Plan. And, uh, sure. and I thought that was an interesting, yeah, an interesting tagline. And really, that's what the IG Living Plan is, is about trying to create confidence for, for each of us as individuals or business owners about how our financial life is unfolding. And just that, that sort of confidence going forward that you can make decisions, live, live your, you know, your retirement life and your financial life the way you want with, with less stress and, and, and less, um, uh, you know, less hassle. And, and the, the IG Living Plan comes down to basically six key elements of everyone's financial life. And that includes, and I'll touch on some highlights for each of these, but managing your cash flow efficiently, preparing for the unexpected, planning for major expenditures, maximizing your business success if you uh, own your own business or self-employed, optimizing your retirement, which is top of mind for everybody no matter what, and then sharing your wealth at the end of the day. And the whole thought process behind each of those six elements is about doing it on a tax-efficient basis and, um, and then being able to measure it and show you, as your life changes, what those impacts can be. And then the evolution of all of this now is that it's, um, it's become something that is available online for us to engage with our clients in the process of creating their IG Living Plan 
And that can include things like what-if scenarios. And what-if scenarios are fun. We call it the sandbox. So it's kind of like playing in the sandbox, right, where you get to kind of think about what what other things could we be doing in our financial life? What if we um, uh, were planning for a major renovation, and that's going to cost us capital? What if we'd like to gift our children some money? What if we retire, and the first year we retire, the stock market drops 30%? What if we live longer? What if we uh, what if we die sooner? And what does our estate look like for tax? So these are all the things that um, that you're trying to measure and sort of get get guidance on when it comes to creating your own living plan. And that what if or sandbox is something where we can engage with clients online, and uh, and they can make some adjustments and fine tune them. And then what what Don and I do is we look at well, what are the strategies that we can layer on to each other that are going to allow you to deal with that what-if scenario. So, for example, the stock market goes down 30% in retirement. How do we prepare for that? You know, you can't you can't figure out every single possibility, but you want to think about, you know, the probabilities and outcomes that could happen and, uh, and know that there's a strategy in place when it comes. And then that way, when the, if it does come and you're prepared, it's so much more or less stressful than if you had no idea how you're going to handle it or what it might mean to your future going forward. So that's sort of the IG living plan is something that's a, it's a living, breathing thing. It changes as you change and, and your life changes, situations changes. And that's something that's constantly updated and monitored. And the strategies that Don and I put into it really make, they are the key to then maximizing your outcome in terms of tax efficiency and reaching your goals as well. So the process comes down to five key steps in terms of discovering, sort of clarifying where you are, your values, your goals, your dreams, analyzing and looking at the different second step, analyzing and looking at the different options and scenarios to apply to your current situation, then developing uh, a holistic plan and getting creating that IG living plan that integrates everything into one place, and then finalizing those strategies and implementing those strategies and making sure it synchronizes with the other parts and your other advisors in your financial life as well, and then proactively sort of servicing and responding to your needs and your life as circumstances change going forward as well. So when I think about the key elements of this IG living plan, one of them is the investment management. You know, how are your investments doing? What 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 are they? What is their purpose, and how are they functioning within your overall financial plan? Um, and that concludes, you know, time horizons for using your money, and understanding what are your general attitudes and biases towards investments and investment risk, and then also understanding your current asset allocation. Super exciting stuff, but it's all important <laughs> in terms of the. Uh, in terms of from uh, going into that sort of deep dive uh, around everyone's investments and understanding their position. And then investments also mean understanding where your marginal tax bracket is and your tax position and your spouse's tax position, your partner's tax position relative to the types of investment income you had, interest, dividends, and capital gains. That, um, you know, I was just looking at, you know, for 2021, the marginal tax brackets in Ontario if you make uh, $98,000, if you make less than nine, around $98,000, you're in a 38% marginal tax bracket. We talk about marginal tax bracket is the dollar of tax that you pay on the last dollar you earn, or if you earned another dollar. And then um, if you make, uh, if you have a spouse, though, that makes, say, under 45000 
then they're only in a 20% marginal tax bracket. So you can see, like for Don, if I said to you, well, I can get you, uh, you know, a 20% return on your money. <laughs> you go, that's pretty good. We can do it every year. How do we do that? If we could shift, say, $10,000 from somebody earning 98000 to someone earning less than 45000 that you're going to make almost 20% tax savings on that on that shifting every single year. So tax planning and marginal tax bracket and the, the, the financial planning process is really about improving your bottom line financially. Managing cash flow, the second area, you know, we obviously want to understand what are your current and future expenditures. And um, for all the different investments you've got, what type of ownership, the beneficiaries of them, uh, and as far as debt, what interest rates are you paying? What's your current repayment schedule? Are you involved in a, an employer-sponsored plan? Are they matching it? Are you maximizing that? And then, obviously, just preparing a statement of your current net worth and cash flow and a budget to sort of understand what that looks like, too. The third area, big one, optimizing your retirement. And I could spend the whole show talking about, you know, optimizing your retirement. But, um, you know, obviously to start with that initial financial projection for your retirement based on your existing condition, your existing situation. Where are you right now? Let's understand where that's taking you. And then we can see what gaps or strategies might need to be added to this. Is, and then the next big thing in terms of optimizing retirement is identifying that optimal income and withdrawal strategy for retirement. Just talking with people, uh, see people getting out onto the golf course now uh, last week and a couple of guys that had retired recently, just talking about how difficult it was to transition from building up their assets, the, the accumulation phase, to now the decumulation phase. To actually start taking money out of your pile <laughs> is, a, is a really weird transition and uh and a lot of times people are finding that difficult and even right now because anybody who's retired hasn't had to spend a lot of money they're not doing a lot of traveling so they sort of put off that anxiety about dipping into their uh their 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 nesting so uh so that's a big job and annually don and i will look at what are the withdrawal strategies based on marginal tax bracket do you have a personal corporation or are you incorporated how to uh, maximize that for your retirement as well. The next one, the fourth one, preparing for the unexpected is all about those sort of what-if scenarios, the financial risks associated. Let's say you lost your, you know, you lost your life or your partner uh, died prematurely. Um, what impact would that have on your standard of living, the education plans you put in place, the retirement plans you put in place? So really we just want to gather all your current uh, relative health information your existing uh, policies and coverage and determine if there's any gaps there. And maybe you've got pre-existing health conditions, which are going to impact that as well. So, you know, again, this is an area we wear a lot of hats, right? Try to understand all the elements and coordinating them together. The next one, uh, the, the fifth one is planning for major expenditures. And um, this can be fun, but it can also be practical as well, right? Sometimes it's saving for education for your children. So that's just the grind of putting away money, doing it tax efficiently, using RESPs. But it also might be the fun things, right? What do you want? It? Do you want to buy a vacation property? Do you want to buy an RV? I've heard that's probably one of the biggest trends right now is people hopping into their RV and heading out across the country. Um, maybe you're saving for your first home. Maybe you're saving to buy uh, for a business. 
you know, but understanding those different assets that are available for you to fund these types of major expenditures, plus the cash flow that you've got available coming in. And then finally, the last one, which is sharing your wealth, is um, is the final stage. You know, you you know you you recognize that you you've got enough to look after your retirement, and you start to think about sharing that with the next generation, the transition of wealth. And um, so, basically, we want to we're looking at all of your legal documents, your wills, your power of attorney. Uh, determining if your estate has enough liquidity to pay for its tax liabilities, maybe not having to sell a business or having to sell that uh, cottage property because of the emotional attachment. And then uh, obviously identifying opportunities to preserve estate values, minimize tax, minimize probate tax, which is a huge important thing to do as well. So all of this is being done in a tax-efficient way. Um, You know, really tax vigilance is so important and it's always top of mind when Don and I are having a conversation about your IG living plan, but it's great get engaged with the process and really start to become more and more confident about your overall financial well-being. That's called our IG living plan. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management, 905-529-7165. Call now, leave a message, they'll get back to you. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson, Andy Lister, and Don Fox, both here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now, leave a message, they'll get back to you at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. There you can ask a question via the listener inquiry button as well as, as, well as listen to old shows. Uh, we're going to talk about longevity risk uh, this segment. What do you mean by longevity risk? Well, that is the risk of living longer than your money does. That's no fun. That is, that is not fun. That is uh, probably the biggest fear. People will live longer than how long their money lasts. And it's becoming a bit of an issue. Now, you have to go back pre-COVID when a budget, and I've never heard a thing, it's almost like a peep, I haven't heard a peep from it since, was uh, they came up with this annuity that would start kicking in at age 80. And some life, extended life annuity, so you'd give some money um, now at, say, 65, and uh, you'd get an annuity payment starting at age 80 for the rest of your life. And if you died before age 80, you didn't get anything. And so that was uh, part of the budget, uh, again, pre-pandemic budget, and it's just kind of disappeared. Nothing, I, I don't know, Andy, have you heard anything of, of it since? No, I haven't. And um, but you know, you think about the fear of running out of as you were talking about that the fear of running out of money. And I just literally this week where they were talking about the cost of living and how much it's gone up, and and that has a big impact, right, on how long your money can last if it's not growing at higher than inflation. Like, in fact, I just heard there's a big shortage on furniture right now. Anybody who wants to buy a new couch or sofa, you can't get them, and the prices are way up. So whether yeah. it's food, whether it's lumber, whether it's furniture, whether it's real estate, boy. Everything just is costing a heck of a lot more, and that puts a lot of pressure on your uh, on your savings. Absolutely, and then and major purchases, uh, a car. Every so often, you have to get into car or a new roof or furniture. Things just don't last forever. And so, when you're working out a financial plan, quite often you look at what is your normal living cost. But they 
they need to also include what are those one-offs, such as my mother just said her, uh, she's got an electric uh, lawnmower. She needs two batteries. They've both gone dead. So it's a battery-operated lawnmower. They cost X amount of dollars per month, uh, sorry, each time. Um, there's just stuff that happens. Windows needed to re- be replaced. And those aren't normally part of the plan. Even though you may put in repairs, that one good thing about having a condo is you've got a condo fee. So it's already built in. You know the exact amount. But owning a house, it's a, it's a variable amount. In some years, you don't have many costs. Next, next time you get absolutely hit by a, like a truck with a big bill and you didn't expect it. But that's okay when you're working. But when you're not working and now you're living off that nest egg, as you mentioned, Andy, you got to start spending the pile. It's a totally different psyche. And uh, it was interesting. I was cleaning out a file on my, you know, files and you're allowed, you, any clients that leave us or die or move of some sort, they have to, uh, we, we have to keep them for seven years. And so I was going through some files. It was an interesting one. Um, this one gentleman and his wife sold their house in Oakville. Interesting enough, uh, I think they sold it for about $250,000 back then, probably worth well over a million dollars now. But they also had some, some debts they accumulated. They couldn't afford the house anymore. So they had to sell the house and live off the proceeds. Now, unfortunately, they had not done any other savings. So they're living off of a Goldie Security, Canada Pension Plan, and the proceeds of the house. So there wasn't, this is where a financial planner is brought in at the last minute, thinking, how can I help the situation now when this should have been done 20 years earlier? But, we, you know, we're kind of picking up the pieces and saying, what can we do? Well, they needed... $15,000 a year from the $200,000 proceeds. Well, that works out to 7.5% payout. Now, the first thing I said practically 20, about, actually 20 years ago, was, okay, that's aggressive. We normally, you know, the investments may average around 7% if it's pure equities, but we're going to forecast five. And this is 20 years ago. But also, they needed to purchase a car. So you take 10000 right off the top, to buy a car now you're down to 190 and you need to take out 1250 a month or 15,000 a year your payout funny enough just taking out that $10,000 your payout went from seven and a half percent to almost eight percent and that's right out of the gate now they're they're already offside before now they're definitely offside so I, I said you know in a perfect scenario the rule is four percent and you might get away with five percent but we will run out of money and I had forecasted they would live they would probably run run out of money at age 90 or just before that now when you're 70 as this this gentleman was oh 90 i'll never live to age 90 and it is uh we had it in a 50 50 50 mix stocks and bonds and so very conservative well unfortunately as it always seems to work out the people that need a, a a good return that first year Generally don't, okay? It's just like everything went away, went the wrong way. He retired, and the very first year, there was a 10% decline in the market. And so this is that other thing we often talk about is Monte Carlo analysis. It's the sequence of returns. So he lost, the market went down 10%, or his investments went down 10% the first year. They recovered the next year, went up 15%, and they, the next year, they went up another 10 so overall, if you add those three years together, it works out uh, about a 5% rate of return on average. But if you look in reality, it's 200000 
less twenty five thousand for the you know for cost between the car and the living, he's down to seven hundred and seventy five thousand. Ten percent drop in the market, you're down to fifty hundred and fifty five thousand dollars in the first year. Well, the next year, thankfully, the market goes up, but now because he still needs the same fifteen thousand a year, he no longer needs seven point nine percent. He needs seven nine point seven percent because you still need the same amount of money per year on a lower amount of money invested. So now it's getting harder. Right off the, you've got less money working for you, and you still need the exact same amount per year to live on. So thankfully, the market went up by fifteen percent that year, and he ended up with one hundred sixty-three thousand at the end of that year. Well, then he still needed to take out his 15000 a year, and he, that's still a 9.2% payout. Well, the market did do 10%, good for him, and at the end of three years, he was now worth $164,000. Well, that's a far stretch from the 200000 he started. Now, granted, he took a 10000 for a car, but you've gone from 190 after the car down to 164000 in three years. And you can see this is not going well. And all of a sudden, the red flags come up, and you say, okay, what am I going to do about this? We should move the money around differently. And I have all this documented, all the conversations. And I I literally said, okay, based on 2004, this money is going to last you 16 years if we get a 5% rate of return. And this is not including any sequence of returns. So that basically means by 2020, he would run out of money. And again, this is age 90. Well, interesting enough, let's say he had a great year the first year. Let's say he went up 15% the first year, up 10% the second year, and finally the third year went down. Well, totally different kettle of fish because the first year he takes out $25,000. But after that year, even though he took out 25000 it went up by thirty because at a good year the first year, he's got $205,000 working for him. And he took out his 15000 again. He's still got 210500 coming into the third year. Now, the market dropped. Well, after that, he's now got 174500 rather than what I mentioned before, 164500 So that's a $10,000 difference, even though the rates of return were identical. Just a different order. And so... Now he's going to run. He his he'll, his longevity in terms of how long it will last. It will actually last him to uh, 2022, 17 and a half years rather than 16 years. So it lasts an extra year and a half just because of that order right at the beginning. And funny enough, that's a five uh, percent return. If they got seven percent, which would be high, it would last them seven, um, 24 years rather than 17 and a half. And in the first example, it would last him 21 years rather than 16 and a, rather than 16 years. So having a rate of return makes a big difference. But we like to forecast low. We like to say, okay, let's just use a 5% rate of return. Well, as it turned out, he would have averaged 5% all the way through. Now, he was getting disgruntled by this point in time. So after about five or six years, and his money was slowly whittling away, even though the projections showed it would. This was not a surprise. He was, he was not happy about this, and he took his money and went to one of the banks. Without even, and they, they had said at the bank, oh, our projections showed you won't run out of money. 
Well, <laughs> I looked at that and I'm thinking, well, it's just a matter. I can plug any number I want in there. I can say you're going to make 10% and you won't run out of money. In fact, if I used 8%, you would have never ran out of money. So they just simply used a higher return, which didn't happen. So fast forward, I can guarantee you now that at 2020, here he is 90 years, 90 years old in 2020. In 2022, coming up next year, he'll be 92 years old, and he's already out of money now. And he cannot stay in his apartment. He cannot stay. He'd have to move back to his kids. And I, I look at this and I think, okay, there's a whole lot of mistakes that went on here. The very first mistake, and I, I can see Scott nodding his head, is he waited till 70 to start saving. Okay. He used his house as a last resort. He, they never used any other investments. So there was no prior planning, and you can't fix it right at the end. And I, I quite often I hear people say, I'm retiring. And I say, okay, that's great. Well, what have you done about it? Like, was this all planned? Or well, I hope it was planned. And it's like a really excited thing that I'm, I'm going to retire. But I think they, you get this real cold shot of reality once you start drawing on the money. And there's not, nothing worse than seeing your money start to trickle down. So then the next thing he did is he had to make buy a new car. Well, that it's amazing how quickly that drops. And so I have, I've had a lot of clients ask me about, should I get give some money to the kids for their new house? They really need it to get into a new house. I said, yeah, it'd be nice to do that. It's not part of our plan, and you would run out of money. So they don't. But in this person's case he did buy a brand new car and it did cost him any and again that hurt the amount of money that was making money for him so therefore he ran out of money quicker he underestimated his life expectancy that's a huge one and this is going back to longevity risk going when you're 70 most people thought okay what's the chance of me making 90 my parents only lived to 80 well now he's 91 or 92 and it's it's not a great it's not a great reality living there without money and the last, he, he, liked, he didn't really believe in the projections. He wanted a, a glossier projection showing a higher rate of return, so he didn't run out of money. Well, just because you put in different numbers doesn't make it a different plan. It's still an investment. And they all, and they're, they're, the bank's investments and our investments, given the same allocation, they're going to get the same return. My, my mistake, I definitely made a mistake here. I honestly probably should not have taken on this client. Because there's a lot of warnings. His expectations were high. I showed him that he would run out of money by the time he was 90. He seemed okay with it. And the first thing he did is buy a car. And so he went against the plan within a month of me taking him on. And I'm thinking, uh-oh, this isn't going to be good. And, and there was a bit of a bravado back then. And he says, oh, it'll be fine. It'll work out. Well, just because you say it works out doesn't mean it will. It still come, Money is a, a nice thing. It, it's, when it comes to numbers, it's not... It's not figure skating. It's an exact thing, okay? There's no judging that goes on. It's not an estimate. This is an exact number. This is the way it works. That's what we, that's what we love about the business. So if you don't think longevity is a big deal, trust me, it is. So many people are living to 100. In fact, starting next Tuesday, there's a new product on the market. It's called the Purpose Longevity Pension Plan. And right now, three-quarters of workers are not part of the defined benefit plan. 
they're not like, for example, teachers or, or police officers or any government employees are part of this defined benefit plan. Defined contribution pension plans are the norm or RSPs. So three-quarters of the population will have this lump sum of money. they got to know what to do with it. There's this new product that will give people, it's kind of like a combination of a mutual fund and an annuity. And so at 65, you'll get a return of 6.15%. So that means if you have $100,000, you will get $6,150 that year and every year. And you, don't, you really don't have to worry about running out of money. So it is turnkey. You don't get to pick the investments. It's a specific investment. It's 45% stocks, 40% bonds, and 15% in alternative investments such as commodities, gold, private equities. And if you do cash out, you only get back what you put in less what you took out. All the growth stays in the plan. And that growth continues to help out the people that are left in the plan to help actually increase their payments. And that, that also works out at death. So if you do die at any, whatever age it is, the estate only gives what you put in, less what you took out. And if they're obviously, if you've taken out more than you've put in, the estate would get nothing. In fact, if you start at age 65, by the time you hit 81, all the money has, has been depleted. But this is a, a really inter- interesting product because it takes out some of that risk. And the neat thing about it is once you hit about age 82, age 83, they're looking at increasing your payments by 3% a year based on the people that have passed away. And so I like having this. I think there's going to be a lot more creative products such as this coming in the future where they kind of marry an annuity with an investment and add some guarantees to it. But uh, at the end of the day, we are living longer and I got to say, Andy, you mentioned can, uh, certified financial planning designations. It hasn't been more important than it is now. Make sure you're dealing with a CFP. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. 905-529-7165. Call now. Leave a message. They'll get back to you. And check out their website at andyanddon.com. Quick break here. We're coming back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call them now. Leave a message. 905-529-7165 and check out their website at andyanddon.com. All right, we're going to talk about health insurance and how do you cover all of this during retirement once you're away from your uh, perhaps company plan? Exactly, yes, yeah, Scott. And it's, um, you know, today the health um, research tells us that there's 2.2 million Canadians over age 65 that have supplemental insurance plans. And so a supplemental insurance plan would be something over and above your provincial plan, the OHIP plan. And this is typically to cover things like um, out-of-pocket drug costs, dental plan, dental costs, vision, um, you know, all the medical um, services like chiropractor, um, physiotherapy, massage therapy, all of those things that, uh, that you enjoy. And 
you know, when you when you think about it, and that's either through those 2.2 million Canadians, it's either they own it individually or they own it through a group plan uh, post-retirement. Um, I think for a lot of people, if, if you've worked for a major employer, you kind of take this for granted, right? You, it, it's a plan that you've got there behind the scenes, Typically, um, most employees don't pay for the plan. It's it's sponsored by your employer, uh, so nothing out of your pocket generally in terms of um, the coverage, unless you've opted for additional things. Uh, so, when it comes to the point where somebody retires, and now they're going, oh wait a minute, I'm going to lose my out of country coverage that I had whenever I used to travel uh, with my when I worked with my employer. And so not only that, your drug plan ends, your dental plan ends. And I mean, there are, there are plans out there and employers out there that do offer extended coverage uh, into your retirement that's covered by that group plan or group coverage. And in, in other words, nothing out of your pocket. But for most of us, when you think about that ending your, your retirement, you're heading into retirement and now you're looking to shop around for insurance coverage, supplemental insurance coverage, most people are shocked at how much it costs. And that's just because you, most of us have been insulated from that. We haven't had to deal with it day to day in terms of um, our, because we're employees. So I guess the question is, is it necessary, right? Do you, do, do you need to go out and buy this coverage? And the answer is, of course, it depends. And uh, like most retirement planning questions, no one-size-fits-all answer is out there, but uh, there, it really does get customized. You know, how much traveling are you going to be? What are your, do you have any pre-existing conditions? What is your current, you know, your current health status? And what's your financial situation? So that sort of comes down to four things, I think. It depends on your health. It depends on, number two, your finances. It depends on, number three, your provincial plan and what you have coverage, and that's Spitzler in Ontario, so that we know about that. And then number four is, can you continue coverage from your previous job? Now, I want to zero in on that number four for a second, because almost universally, every employer, if you have coverage at work and you are now retiring, you have 60 days to reapply and get coverage with a new carrier and not provide medical evidence, okay? And so that's an important period of time, those 60 days after you retire uh, to be able to then carry on your own personal supplemental insurance plan. And um, now in some cases, and this is particularly important, if, you know, if, you have a, if you're on a drug regime, uh, you don't want those drugs to be excluded under your new plan, uh, so that getting that coverage reinstated within the 60 days without medical evidence is going to be important. But that comes at a cost. And so, you know, being able to underwrite people into a plan without any questionnaires means that the health insurance companies are taking on greater risk, so they're going to charge a higher premium. So if you're willing to answer all their questions and you're in good health, you can probably get it for cheaper. Uh, and so it's important to shop around when it comes to this. And really, it comes down to a cost-benefit analysis. You know, the cost of drugs have been going up. You know, maybe you're, you're, you're spending more time at, with physio or the chiropractor or massage, like all those things that you're spending on. So you do a cost-based analysis to make sure, does it make sense? And some people might decide they're just going to self-insure. 
And what that means is you're basically just setting up a separate bank account or a separate investment account, and you're going to pay for all those out-of-pocket health costs and dental costs out of that uh, self-insured sort of separate bank account. And so I think one of the exercises you can do is look back and see what did you spend on health care and costs uh, over, say, the last three years, because sometimes things are higher than lower. And I did this exercise for ourselves, and I found out last in the last 12 months, we've had about $5,000 of additional extra costs. But the previous two years, it was around 2500 and 3500 So we spent about 11000 the average about 3600 out of pocket or about 300 a month. And so you, just doing that exercise, I think, is important to understand what is it costing you right now, uh, what's it going to cost you down the road, and that helps you decide what, the, uh, what premium you might want to pay. So travel insurance is a big important one, too. And a lot of times people will pay for travel insurance trip by trip each time. But the problem is you got to be careful because you're going to have to answer medical questionnaire every time you do that. And you could be disqualified. So now you don't have coverage. And so that's why it may be important to have that included uh, you know, in that plan. You don't have to pre-qualify for each trip. So to have it included in that new plan that you've purchased privately. So there's a lot of ins and outs to a simple decision like this. It's not simple at the end of the day, and uh, usually you're not locked in, but if your health changes, it becomes difficult to switch. So it's important to make a good call out of the gate, and uh, you know, as CFPs, Don and I are here to help people with that decision as they head into retirement. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management, 905-529-7165. Call now, leave a message, they'll return your call. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now, leave a message. They'll get back to you as soon as they can. 905-529-7165. And check out the website at andyanddon.com. All right, big news last week about uh, harder to get a mortgage, higher stress testing for mortgages. Uh, your thoughts on all of this? Yes, June 1st, they changed the rules again. And this is actually the second time they've done this in a in fairly recent memory. Um, the end of 2017, they increased the, the what you needed to earn, basically, or stress test it in order to qualify for a mortgage. And so January 1st, 2018, there was a big run in the market. The um, Everybody was trying to close their houses before the new mortgage test would come out and this happened just last week where basically the new rules are it's the higher of two percent on top of whatever you can borrow at on a say on a five-year mortgage so, or 5.25 percent so right now if you could get a mortgage for two percent for five years add two percent to that that's four percent well therefore they would it would move you to the five and a quarter and you'd have to qualify as if the five-year mortgage rate was 5.25%. So, yeah, now this is not that big of an de- um, increase because as of May 31st, it was 4.79%. So they moved it from 4.79 to 5.25. And so almost a half a percent increase on this five-year test, if you will. And, uh, you know, it's, 
a little bit tough for it, just making it harder for that first time buyer really is because, you know, you can get a, a five-year variable mortgage rate at prime less, prime less one. And so if the interest rate, the prime lending rate is 2.45, uh, so therefore uh, 1.45%, so prime less one. And at five-year fixed, you can still get five-year fixed for around 2%. So and uh, so, this is really, even though your payments would be far less than this, you can see why the government's done it because they don't want people to get the mortgage, understand that they say, "Oh, wow, I can afford this mortgage payment," and then when the mortgage comes due in five years later, bam, they get hit with an increase and they can't afford it. Next thing you know, they literally are getting foreclosed on their house. So here's basically, in a nutshell, as an example. Let's say you bought a home or you want to purchase a home for 800000 and you got $200,000 down. So you're going, to care, you're going to be carrying a $600,000 mortgage. Well, at a 2% mortgage rate, that would be $2,540 a month, which you could easily carry. But now you have to get this test at 5.25%, which means you have to be able to carry a, a $3,576 per month mortgage. Now, this is theoretical. You're, you're not actually paying this thirty-five seventy-six. You just have to qualify for this. Your, your payments are still going to be the twenty-five forty. So you have literally have to qualify for a thousand and thirty-six dollars more per month than what the actual mortgage payment is. So it, it's going to make it harder. And what it's going to do is say you may have to settle for a less expensive house. Now, the real reason for this is. There's two reasons. One is they don't want people to have to walk away from a home when it comes up for a renewal. Second, it's trying to kind of cool down the real, the real estate market a bit because, of course, the more people that qualify for mortgages, the more houses they will buy, and they basically are bidding up the rate, as, you, as we all know. You hear about the stories, and you probably have friends, if you haven't done it yourself, or you have kids, where they had to go in a bidding war. So this might have a small impact. And it actually looks like it might have an impact on about one out of every 10 uninsured mortgages out there today. And what an uninsured mortgage is, is the ones that have 20% down payment or greater. Okay, so that's an uninsured mortgage. And so there's not going to be one in 10. It's still going to affect about 10% of those purchasers. But for the insured mortgages, which, which is anybody has less than a 20% down payment, it's going to affect about one in five of those. So again, they're going to either qualify for a smaller mortgage, um, and it's it's going to be a bit more, you know, a little tougher for them. Now, really, at the end of the day, the the housing market has gone up dramatically, over thirty percent the last year, because of three major impacts. One is the lower interest rates. The interest rates have dropped considerably. In fact, they're, you know, you think about the five-year variable at one point four five percent, like that's incredible. Like, I've never seen anything like it. So with those variable rates, they're almost giving the money away. This is as free as you can get in terms of a mortgage rate, 1.5%, call it. So that has driven the housing kind of way up. The demand's gone way up simply, simply based on the rates going down. The other has been this whole pandemic. People are staying at home. Uh, maybe looking at a few real estate magazines these days and or the inserts. And... Uh, and certainly there's a, there's a lot of people moving out of the city from condos and moving into houses. 
And so you're not seeing these, the, the, the condos going up, but you're seeing the housing prices going up. Totally different markets. And normally they kind of go in lockstep, but certainly not in the last year and a half. And thirdly, and I mentioned this last week during our show, the bank of mom and dad have played a big role hmm. because they are now actually borrowing on their own homes to help their kids get into their house, in, into their first house because they're worried that they might not be able to afford it later. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So the combination of these lower rates, the pandemic, and the bank of mom and dad have been, you know, three major reasons. And it's almost like the trifecta or the perfect storm of why the housing prices have gone up. So Canadians are creative. Um, will this make a big difference in terms of the housing prices? I don't think so, because it's only a 5% difference than it was before. 4.79 to five and a quarter. there's only a 5% increase. I don't think it's going to be big enough. Um, I think it will be interest rates rising that will cool this off, or perhaps a recession. But people are creative, and they're going to probably look to mom and dad even more to get that down payment. So look out, moms and dads out there. You might be uh, tapped on the shoulder again. The bank is closed. Uh, planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox have been here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now and leave a message. They'll get back to you at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. Thank you, gentlemen. Another great show. Have a great week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.